0: The Lessons Learned for Vets podcast is proud to be brought to you by AFMA, the American Armed Forces Mutual Aid Association. Established in 1879, they are the longest standing nonprofit association empowering military families with affordable financial solutions for generations. Offering life insurance, wealth management, mortgages, survivor assistance, and other benefits, AFMA is here to support you through every stage of life. AFMA is dedicated to helping service members be financially and logistically ready for life after the military. To support you in this process, AFMA would like to offer you their free downloadable transition timeline, a step-by-step guide to help you create a comprehensive military transition plan. Let AFMA help you get ready for your next step by visiting afma.com backslash LL4V that's A-A-F-M-A-A dot com slash l the number four V or clicking the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, your military transition debrief from the veteran mentors who have gone before you. My name is Lori Norris, and I've been teaching veterans how to successfully navigate their military transition since 2005. I'm bilingual, but instead of a foreign language, I'm a civilian who speaks the language of all branches of the US military. I've used this unique skill to help thousands of veterans And today, I wanna help you navigate the hidden opportunities and unseen risks you may face during your own transition from the military. This is the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast.
1: All right, I think that military members, they know that there's a lot of veteran programs out there. And the idea is, if I join the veteran program, it will come. And that's not the case, all right? It's not as easy as you wish. What I did in the Marine Corps is I said, I'll serve. From then on out, I was told what to do. And every single time it was a great mission and great goal. When it comes to your transition, no one tells you what to do. And no one's going to watch your back and follow through. And that's why, one, you create the group. And then second is that you have to move past the organizations and programs that are put together for you. That is where you get into the front line, right? That's where you get to the tip of the spear for our Marine Corps term here, of finding the unique opportunities and ones that are going to be really exciting.
0: On today's episode of the Lessons Learned for Vets podcast, I am welcoming Wayne Worthington. Wayne is the Vice President of Innovation and Technology Media and Telecommunications Recruiting Practice for RAINS International. Wayne has successfully identified, screened, and placed top talent in both private and public technology and companies, including CEO, CFO, COO, and senior VP roles in sales and marketing. Previously, he was with the Corn Ferry Global Software Practice, where he led executive searches with global software companies to place executives in multiple positions. Before entering the civilian sector, Wayne served five years as a decorated captain in the United States Marine Corps, where he commanded and led units ranging from 40 to 1,000 Marines. In today's episode, Wayne gives us some really valuable insight into working with recruiters and the different types of recruiters. However, what is even more valuable are his personal insights into working with a coach and mentor and how to strategically go about building your network during transition. Welcome to the show, Wayne. It is great to have you today.
1: Well, Lori, it's wonderful to be here. Really excited to spend time with you and, um, you know, give back. I've realized that I received far more than I gave in my service. And it's a personal mission of mine to come on shows like this and do what I can to help out my veteran community.
0: Excellent. Well, we always start with the same question. So I just want to hear your transition story. Tell us kind of how it it went. Was it planned? How did you end up where you are today?
1: Yeah, well, it was planned. I wasn't, you know, I was someone that thought I was going to stay in the Marine Corps for 20 years. I loved it. It was the biggest honor of my life to get a chance to lead Marines as an infantry officer out of Camp Lejeune in the East Coast. But look, I... Uh, had gotten married and had new goals. And my new goals were to be uh, you know, more of a family guy and around. And so we decided to step out. When I clicked the button to step out of the Marine Corps, it was about a year before I got out. I was deployed at the time. And so upon my return from deployment, I had eight months until I exited the Marine Corps. And that's when I slowly began to put together a plan. And it started really wide. It started really wide from do I go back to school to do I go directly into the workforce? And that was the first decision. And to be honest, I went down a little bit of the student route and decided it wasn't for me. And then from there again, utilized all the tools that I knew of at the time. I know of way more now and hopefully we can (laughs) talk about some um, through different recruiting functions, job fairs, the mentorship programs that are out there. And I personally had a few options when i came to the end of my service i had the choice to move further into operation roles like ones that you would see with amazon that's a standard military thing to do from a ground guy i had the opportunity to be a consultant so in transitioning to the civilian sector it would have been a very wide breadth of opportunities and the last was a unique one in executive uh, retained search and that was with corn ferry and the role that i stepped into and i went there for the mentorship that i received uh, and the training from a senior managing director, who in a lot of ways, professionally adopted me to teach me how to be a civilian and do well, hopefully, right? That's the plan. Uh, With that move to Dallas, not from Dallas. And over the last two years have continued to be in the executive search space. I did change jobs around COVID, but since then I've had a fantastic time uh, identifying talent and helping to build teams uh, just like I did in the Marine Corps. I get a chance now to do it in the civilian sector.
0: That's great. So I remember when we talked, you told me specifically that you worked with a coach and a mentor during your transition. So how did you meet that person and what was the value you received from working with them?
1: Yeah, well, there's a few ways to meet people. Mine was not the standard route. I was introduced to my coach, who at the time I thought of as a mentor, right? someone that gave me advice. But what it came to be is that they were a coach and helped to ask probing questions for me to begin to figure out what I wanted to do because I didn't have a clue. And so he was introduced to me by my aunt, actually. So it was a family connection. Now, when it comes to the opportunities for all of the listeners, is that there's great programs with veterati, American Corporate Partners. And also you can dip into seeking out your own mentor and someone that can coach you through the process. There's lots of vets who have gotten out years ago with a simple message on LinkedIn and a great relationship of exchanging value and time that you can create mentors and coaches on how to move into locations that, you know, you're interested in. But Mm -hmm. mine personally was from a family member, but that doesn't, you know, stay away from all the options out there for our vets today.
0: How did that person really, you talked about, they asked you really good questions, probing questions. And I, I think that, You know, mentors can help us in many different ways. What are some other things that yours did for you?
1: Yeah. Well, listen, as a military, as a Marine, we know accountability, right? But what I didn't have in transitioning out was someone who kept me accountable to the transition. The Marines, look, we're focused on the mission at hand, which is to win our nation's wars, right? We know that. And that's what the Marine Corps needs to focus on. And the Marine Corps is not in the business of making sure that you're super successful as a civilian, but they gave you all the tools. Okay. So my coach kept me accountable and they did that by saying, what are you interested in? And I actually, I had no clue. And I said, Larry, I don't have a clue what I'm interested in. He goes, okay, well, let's meet next Wednesday. And between now and then, I want you to identify three industries and in those three industries, five companies review them, And let's talk about what you found and the interest that you might've developed next Wednesday. And I said, good to go, you know, I'll see you then. And now I was held accountable and I had someone that I was going to meet and listen, there was one time I didn't get my homework assignment done. It was terrible. I felt like I let him down because he was giving me so much of his time. And so it was this uh, discovery process that we walked through. So here, here was the process in short, let's do a search strategy in the same way as a recruiter today that I find lots of different people for one job is I was trying to find lots of jobs for one person, me. And so let's start big. Let's begin with industries. And so let's, I'm going to use myself as an example for listeners, but infantry Marine.
0: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I can do a lot of things. We say that we're the uh, Jack of all trades, master and none. Well, in civilian world. All right. That means general consulting. Okay, (laughs) and so there's great companies out there that have good veteran programs, Accenture, Deloitte, EY, um, and many of the uh, the other consulting firms. Mm -hmm. Google search it. There's tons. And so I made that list. Then I went into operations and logistics, Amazon, Home Depot, Lowe's, Walmart, Target, Bed Bath and Beyond. You know, all these consumer stores that we're used to made a list. And then the last one was, you know what, I like technology. I'm a big user of all social media. Like, let's look at that technology, Google, Yahoo, Facebook, Amazon. I mean, again, all these programs. And so now I had a list, three industries, that now I made a list of 10 companies a piece. And so now we have 30 companies that I can begin to research and look at. And a quick search on LinkedIn going, let's go with Google. Google, United States Marine Corps in the search bar, boom, boom. 200 prior Marines work at Google. Well, I'm going to send them a message and ask them (laughs) what it's like. And so my list of 30, I then reached out to two people at each. And that became a contact list of 60. Mm -hmm. A contact list of 60 at each of those calls, I said, hey, could you introduce me to someone else? Then they introduced me to two people and the 60 turned into 180. And so over these four months of having my coach who would call and say, pretty much, how's it going? I would then say, Well, I talked to these people and this. He goes, Oh, that's great. What do you want to do next? I would say, Well, I'm interested in going in moving to Denver. Let's say he goes, Okay, we'll look up the chamber of commerce, find the leaders in the community. Perhaps you fly there for the weekend, make sure you like it, and set up 10 coffee dates with these people. Get to know the place. I'll talk to you in a week. And you'd get off the call.
0: Yep. Right? <laughs>
1: accountability is search strategy, Mm -hmm. and then saying, I'll talk to you in a week. What do you want to do? Okay, what do you need for me to do it? All right, talk to you soon. And that accountability, I mean, gave me tons of opportunities in getting out that I then was able to choose with my family on what was best for us.
0: I think you made a really interesting point in that the Marine Corps is not in the business of turning you back into a civilian of ensuring your successful transition. They give you tools, right? They give Mm. you tap, they give you, you know, the booklet that you get, right. Um, And I sort of liken it to trying to put together a thousand piece Lego set with just the picture on the box. And no mm. instructions. You've seen those books that come with Lego really. sets, right? And so I feel like you know what you, you, the picture of your transition looks like, but you, they're missing that book. And so right. that's really why I created this show is to help be that Lego, <laughs> yeah. Lego instruction book.
1: I love metaphor analogies in, in a lot of ways. They help me to visualize tough problem sets to overcome. And specifically with that, I've always heard, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Mm -hmm. One bite at a time. Let's look at the industries. Okay, now let's say it's a garden. Let's start with the flower bed. The flower bed now is speaking to the people. Okay, let's move to the path. That's talking to the recruiters. Now let's move over to the gate, which is, you know, moving into the offer phase and the exact roles. And so it's absolutely that way. Look what the military does. They win our nation's wars. And I think the secret mission of the military that was actually the most dear to me was to develop Americans and those others that served with us to be better citizens, right? To be better people. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they've done. And now we need to take it, wash it in civilian ease a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And then say, take the hill. But this is a different hill. It's the opposite direction. And you know how to do it. All the listeners... They know how to win and achieve the mission's objectives. It's just, we need to define it, Mm -hmm. create the priorities, and then have some accountability behind it. And that's what makes the difference.
0: I really like that analogy of this is just a different mission. You know, Herb Thompson's book, Mission Transition, it takes that Mm -hmm. same approach, right? It's like, you know how to accomplish a mission, to achieve a goal, oftentimes with very limited information you find a way to get it done so this That's transition right. process is just a different hill that you're trying to conquer i really like That's that right. thank you for that yeah so when you uh, and i first started talking you, you told me about some job search mistakes some uh, some you know, some transition mistakes that you often see veteran job seekers make. So share some of those with me.
1: You know, my biggest mistake that I think I did was that I didn't create a transition group of active duty Marines for me. I was an officer and there was a few other officers getting out at the same time. And because we weren't put in a unit, we all felt, felt alone and we were doing it by ourselves. And what I should have done is grab that group of People and shared information and say, I found this. What'd you find? Or let's go to this fair together. Let's go here. Let's practice our interview skills together. I think that we talk about practicing and having these groups often, but then it's not done. And I certainly, you know, was someone who did that too, that didn't follow through with creating a team, right? And my transition team um, of my fellow peers. And another piece is waiting. All right, I think that military members, they know that there's a lot of veteran programs out there. And the idea is if I join the veteran program, it will come. And that's not the case. All right. It's not as easy as you wish. What I did in the Marine Corps is I said, I'll serve. From then on out, I was told what to do. And every single time it was a great mission and great goal. When it comes to your transition, no one tells you what to do and no one's going to watch your back and follow through. And that's why one, you create the group. And then second is that you have to move past the organizations and programs that are put together for you. That is where you get into the front line, right? That's where you get to the tip of the spear to, for our Marine Corps term here of finding the unique opportunities and ones that are going to be really exciting compared to, the handout ones. And I'm not saying handout in a negative sense, but handout in the, here's your belt fed list of regular roles. We put people like you in Mm -hmm. don't be like everyone else. You be you right. And seek out these mentors, seek these conversations and relationships and find roles and opportunities that are really fantastic aligned with what you're interested in and are going to be exciting.
0: I think that is a great idea to have those accountability groups, if you will, of people that are experiencing the same things as you. Because oftentimes, as you're transitioning, you are sort of removed from your typical support group. Maybe you're put in a different unit, or they, you know, put you on a desk job where you were yeah. formerly infantry, right? So, it, you know, just is um, it's a good idea to find people that are like you. So that you can have conversations of, you know, here's something I found. You could share it with people. Um, I, I really like that idea. And I would definitely recommend that anyone who's going through the process of transitioning or is preparing to transition that you seek yeah. out people like that. And that you don't have to that's be in different. the same unit, right?
1: No, no. And look, I'm not saying it's easy to find a group that's transitioning at a similar time, but I'd recommend it, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I'm out, having conversations with folks, oftentimes they'll have an idea or an opportunity or a program or company. That's not exactly what I'm interested in, but I think, you know what? Jones was looking for something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to introduce Jones to this guy. Hey, have you seen anything for me? And now I have other individuals looking out for me because I'm also looking out for them. And it's this exchange of value that you can do with this group.
0: And networking really is a two-way street, right? It's it's Absolutely. not all give me things. It's what can I do to help you as well? And that's a great feeling when you're able to make that connection for someone and be a part of their success. I think that that is a feeling that most people, it keeps them going, yeah. right? So Yeah, and
1: you know, it doesn't even matter where you are in the military. You're transitioning out. Uh, someone in the civilian sector has offered their time to you. And at the end of the calls, I would always make sure to say, you know, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Is there anything I can do for you? And look, I know I really, I probably can't do anything for them. They're the ones that are helping me, but in offering to do anything for them, it begins to show that you're there to provide value to the relationship for the long haul. And it wasn't just a a quick, tell me, tell me, tell me goodbye. Right right? How can I be helpful to you? And then again, you follow up with a note. It can be even five minutes later. It doesn't need to be the next day. Five minutes later, I want to say thanks again. Appreciate your time. Looking forward to staying in touch.
0: Yep. And it, it is just that little tiny, tiny bit of a thank you and mm-hmm. that offer of help that that does really make a big difference. I, I agree with you. I think that um, just those little notes from people right. makes them want to help the next person that asks, right? Exactly.
1: To, to stretch this into the military sense too, right? Excellence is found in the details. And so when it came to the infantry is that you could tell someone who was really squared away if their ruck, all the straps were perfectly tied, nice and tight, and all their gear was soundproofed and everything was dummy straps so that you, know, you couldn't lose it. And their gear was perfectly aligned. Like That is when you see excellence. And so it's the same extra effort on being excellent in your raid today, your MOS today, that you recognize that person's good. It happens on the civilian side. And so when it comes to transitioning, you're going to be talking with veterans transition recruiters, but how can you be the veteran that's excellent? Who can do the little bit more to be remembered and to provide that little bit extra value, which is an indicator of the future value you will bring to the organization?
0: So... You've been kind of out in the job search world now for a few years, and you're actively involved in it as a uh, talent acquisition professional. So, what are some of your recommendations for job search strategies and best practices?
1: Use every tool you can. Okay. Um, when it comes to job search practices, I think that creating your opportunity is the most important thing to do. Okay. Recruiters have a job. The strategy is to understand the environment you're working in, right? So when it came to the Marine Corps, it's like, let's do a recon. Let's figure out the landscape here. So in knowing who you're talking to when it comes to recruiters is important also. There's two different categories and then some subcategories of recruiters. It starts with in-house versus contracted ones. And so I'm a contracted recruiter. I get brought into private equity firms and and large companies to do a specific job in-house, would be someone that works for Google, works for Adobe. And those in-house individuals have a platter of roles that they're looking to fill, and that's their need. So how can I fit their need in the search strategy? When it comes to the the other side of the house, uh, there's two specific roles there. There's contingent recruiters, which get placed, they get a fee contingent upon a placement. So they work for lots of people It's higher volume. And then retained search means they pay those people up front to find one specific role. And so understanding for people getting out of the military, most often you won't work with retained search. This is for CEOs and things like you know, people who have been a civilian and in these roles for 10, 20 years. Right. Contingent recruiters, certainly. This is an example like Lucas Group, Cameron Brooks, um, Alliance and these are military-focused contingent recruiters. So they have a platter of roles that they're looking to fill. Maybe one's right for you. On the opposite side, in-house, people that work for the companies you're interested in, they have a platter of roles because they're trying to build their team. And you need to increase the volume of those folks you're talking to to have more opportunity at their specific company. And so that's a bit of this, like, understanding the situation or the, the map that we're working with on how to navigate that well. Okay.
0: What advice would you give for a transitioning veteran about the possibility of working with a recruiter?
1: Well, about working with the recruiter, I would say absolutely do it. At the same time, I would use as many of them as possible because you're the number one advocate for your success and your career. Mm -hmm. And recruiters, they have incentive structures, right? These incentive structures drive their behavior and they need to complete their job. And they might not have the best role for you. And so it'll be important to meet with the recruiters, be their friend, be transparent, be honest, have high integrity, and provide them the tools to help you to be the solution for one of their problems, all right? So with Cameron Brooks or Lucas Group, as you put together your um, resume, you go to all the meetings, you meet with them, you give them all the tools for them to work on your behalf and advocate for you. And then you could go with one of the roles that they provide. Also, you have to continue to work on your own for other opportunities because you don't want to rely on someone else for your future.
0: Right. Okay. So I just want to clarify, a veteran should not ever pay someone to find them a job, correct? So I, as a job-seeking veteran, should not have to pay a headhunter, recruiter, talent acquisition professional to find me a job, correct?
1: I'm not familiar with any professional situation like that. Could there be? Yes, I do know that there are lots and lots of free ones that are sponsored through nonprofits. I know there's lots of people that want to give you their time and help Mm -hmm. and give back to the community. And I know that there's others that the organization that you're being hired into give a fee to the recruiter. And so I am not familiar with any situation where you pay for someone to find you a role. So that's what I have to say about that.
0: Okay. I'm just going to tell you, I'll be the one to say it. Yeah. You shouldn't have to pay someone to find you a job. There are services out there that charge quite a high fee Mm. to, to fill the role of a advocate for you, a recruiter for you as a candidate. And I believe that there are enough services out there, like the ones you mentioned, Lucas Group and Cameron Brooks, um, that you don't need to pay someone Mm. to be your advocate as a candidate.
1: Yeah. You know, when it comes to coaching, there are professional coaches, Mm -hmm. life coaches that can be very, very valuable. And you can have mentors. And then, you know, I think that's a a personal choice that the veterans will come to, too. I know I have Mm -hmm. around paying for services. Sometimes there's value in that. But you know what's most important, I think, is doing your due diligence, right? You'll understand if this is best for you or not. And there are so many resources, especially, you know, Lori, like your show that helps veterans and you being a resource. I know that many could contact you to point them in the right directions where they would never have to pay for someone's help uh, in finding a role and a way to transition out well from the military.
0: And, you know, I think people who've listened to the show know that I'm not necessarily saying you should never pay for any service ever, because there are times where you do need support coaching, um, you know, support services, I just want to make sure there are some services out there that instead of charging the company to place the Mm. candidate are charging the candidate to be placed. And I don't want a candidate to pay a placement fee to a recruiter when Mm. there are so many services out there that will represent them professionally. And then, as you said, like use all the tools available to you. So, you know, headhunters, recruiters, whatever you want to call them, are um, are one of your tools. And as you said, don't let off the gas of your own search, your own efforts to get out there and find that role as well. So,
1: Absolutely. Um, There'll be a direct correlation between your effort and the opportunities you have. My mother absolutely. would always say, she would always say, <laughs> Get tickets, get tickets. And so I recommend to everyone listening too, is get tickets. This is get offers. You should have many offers. You should do as best you can to have lots of choices. Maybe some different cities. Maybe if you focus on one city, let's get a few offers because guess what? Crazy things happen like global pandemics and immediately there's hiring freezes. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure there's many veterans who had great roles lined up that went away. And so, create this defense around your career, around your transition, by having lots of different opportunities, lots of different options.
0: Absolutely, I think that's great advice. So, if we look back on your transition, if you think about the your process, what are some of the lessons that you've learned since you transitioned or during your transition that you wish someone had shared with you before you left the Marine Corps?
1: Well, a very specific and tactical level thing that I learned at the end was I created a call list tracker of everyone I talked to and the relationship with them, what we talked about, the date, and when I was going to follow up with them. And this was on Excel. Maybe it was a little, you know, nerd, nerd officer stuff that I was doing there, but having a log of all my conversations and what we were talking about, then after I stepped into my first job, I sent them all a thank you note. And so it was this very methodical tracking process that I didn't quite do till towards the end that I would recommend doing at the beginning, because it's hard to know where you're going. If you don't know where you are or where you've come from. Mm -hmm. And it's also sometimes discouraging when after two months of being on the road of finding a new job, you feel like I haven't done anything. Where have I been? Who have I, am I supposed to follow up with? And the sheet of paper is not a good way to remember that. Right. So you can look back on this. And and then it also is a great resource to send to your friends afterwards. Hey, here's the list I used. Perhaps you can reach out to them. They were helpful for me.
0: Okay. Excellent advice. I really like the idea of tracking who you speak to so that you know what you need to do next with that person. Right. So right. you think about, I don't know about you, but I talked to a lot of people in any given week and uh, if I think about it, I think I was supposed to follow up. What did we talk about last? So now you don't have to remember that. You've, you're keeping it in that tracker.
1: So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, you know the thing too is that did I send a thank you note? And I would start putting these different boxes. Did I send a thank you note? When am I going to follow up? I said I was going to follow up with them in two weeks from now. And so then I could filter out the sheet and say, Ah, oh, here's the three people I have to get back to. Mm -hmm. And how did I know them again? Oh, it's because I talked to Tom over here. And so then I could send a note back to Tom and say, thank you, Tom, for introducing me to, to Lori and Sam. And then again, another touch point, right? And so it's about beginning to cultivate this network of people that you care about and give value to, and then they will reciprocate. Steve jobs, who we all know from Apple has a video, you can look up on YouTube, but he talks about how he'd never found himself being told no When he asked for help and so he asked for help and i you know that's one thing too is to you know carpe diem do it today Mm -hmm. seize the day and ask for help and there's a lot that can come from from taking that leap that uh, veterans most often have a hard time of asking for
0: yep i think that's great advice well i think that's the perfect place for us to end because i think that is an actionable item that someone could immediately sit down and create their own Excel spreadsheet. It doesn't have to be fancy. The great thing about creating your own is you can change it to what meets your needs and start tracking who you've talked to, who you wanna talk to and how you Mm -hmm. can follow up with them. Thank you for that advice. Absolutely i appreciate you being with us on the show wayne it was great to hear your experience but also your insight as someone who is now in that search industry so thank you for that yeah,
1: absolutely if you know if anyone wants to reach out to me on linkedin you can find me Wayne more or i know you'll plug me on the website but here to help right and i know that i stand on the shoulders of giants who came before me both in the marine corps transitioning out everything like that If I can give back some of what, uh, you know, I received, it'd be fantastic.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of Lessons Learned for Vets. If you learned just one lesson today that you believe can help smooth your path during your transition from the military, then I have done my job. If you haven't already, please click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. While you're at it, leave us a review and share our podcast with your friends connect with me on LinkedIn and join the Lessons Learned for Vets Facebook community to tell me what lesson you learned today. See you next time.